You're listening to an Acts Church sermon. Acts Church is located in Camas, Washington. You can find out more about us at www.axcamas.org. Check out our other sermons and podcasts. You can find them on iTunes Podcasts, SoundCloud, and our website. This sermon was preached by Pastor David Robinson, who is the teaching pastor at Acts Church. We hope you enjoy the sermon, and we hope that the Lord blesses you through it. This is right around um, the third year, exactly, since I started here with you all, or most of you all. Um, And so it's been three long years, uh, great, great years, yeah. Some of you have had to put up with my weaknesses and failures all that time, and uh, some of you are willing to do that for as long as the Lord wills that we all do that together. And I just want to take the time to thank those of you who have worked so hard for Christ's church during the time that I've been here, um, and those who have recently come to us uh, and, and joined with us and so on that are also have that heart uh, and, that, and that mindset and that desire to serve the Lord well. Uh, it really is a special thing to have a church. You know, so many churches are sort of that 80-20 rule. 20% of the people sort of do 80% of the work. And Acts Church is a place where that's just not true. Uh, it's, it's more like the 10-90 rule. Yeah, 90% of the people do... 100% of the work. I don't know how it works. I don't, I'm not a math person, okay? That's not why I'm here. But most of our folks are involved. Most of our folks are serious about, about what's going on here, and that makes for a very strong church, and I'm blessed to have the opportunity to serve alongside you and to serve you. So thank you guys for all that you've done. Um, yeah. This is Vision Sunday, and so that means that we're going to talk a little bit about uh, kind of what's happened and what's happening and what's going to happen and so on, but um, I'm really going to be focused more on, I think, what God's calling us to spiritually than spending a lot of time on a lot of numbers and this is what's happened here and this is what this ministry is going to do. We're going to get an opportunity to see some of that, uh, but I want you to be sort of be prepared for a more, a more encouraging or exhortative, you can look that up on your phone, uh, I won't think you're playing Angry Birds, um, exhortative uh, time to, to really bring us to where we need to be to achieve the mission, the vision that Christ has called us to. But first, I'm going to tell you about my, my buddy, a friend of mine, I've talked about before, his name is Will Roach. Uh, when I was practicing law in Tennessee, he was my law partner. He and I had kind of been true brothers in the Lord and in life since law school. So uh, just really close. And at a certain point, as we we're practicing law together in the same firm, we sort of saw our way dividing. I knew that God had, was calling me, or was pretty sure he was calling me into something different, which eventually ended up being this. Um, and Will did not want to run a law firm on his own. Um, can you blame him? right? Uh, he wasn't going to have me anymore. So uh, it was becoming clear uh, that, it, you know, we were going to be dividing our ways. And Will was feeling like uh, God had maybe put it on his heart to run for the Jefferson County General Sessions Court Judge, um, which was where we were, the, the, the place where we practiced law. Um, and I at first tried to sort of take him in a different path. We lived right next to a place called Granger County, which has great tomatoes, by the way. Um, and Granger County is where Will grew up, and his, he knew all the people, and his dad had been a state representative there for like 20-something years. And, and I thought, if he just moved just across the line, the county line, he could run up there and probably win. But he wanted to run in Jefferson County, and so I thought, you know, this is just not the right strategy. It doesn't make sense. According to the wisdom that I, that I would have or that people would have, they'd say, go up to Granger County and run for a judge there. Don't try to run in this much bigger, you know, probably twice the size county where you don't know nearly as many people, and the, and the competition is going to be much worse. But God's plan 
And our plan are not always the same, right? Our strategies and God's plans are not always the same. It says in Proverbs 69, a person plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps, right? Now, Will didn't want to move back to to that neighboring county, and he believed uh, he was called to run in Jefferson County for the election for judge. But what I haven't told you yet is, is who Will was running against. Um, because that makes a difference. See, these judgeships are elected every eight years. And once someone gets in one of them, they don't tend to let it go until they're very, very old, right? Or there's something, or they get sick or something like that. They don't tend to retire easily because they're good jobs and people want them. So Judge Benjamin Strand, who was a, a, good, a good friend, uh, helped me a lot with my law practice while I was there, good, good judge, was a general sessions judge there. And he said, hey, I'm retiring. Everybody knew at the end of this eight years, he was going to be done. And so there were all these attorneys in town who wanted that job. There were four other candidates who ended up running against Will. Now, one of them was a young, successful attorney with a thriving practice who had much more experience than Will. Then there was a woman who had spent years as a child support magistrate, which is a type of judge. She already been a judge in the robe, little hammer, the whole thing for years. Okay, And she had many, many more years experience than Will. Then there was a guy who had been, who had sat in for the Sessions Court judge, who was well-liked in town, who had been around for a long time, had many, many more years experience than Will. And then there was a guy who had been a DA, tried all kinds of jury trials and things like that, known to be a great attorney in town, and had many, 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 many more years experience than Will. So as you can see, Will was obviously a shoe-in, right? The truth is, Will was the least experienced candidate by far on the ballot. And he practiced law, everyone knew, with a partner who was some Yahoo from the Pacific Northwest, which is not, Randy can tell you, that's not people. Everyone, if you're not in the South, you're a Yankee. It doesn't really matter where you're from. You're a Yankee. And so to them, he practiced with a Yankee. He'd never been a judge of any kind. And also, and, and for those of you, a few in the room who have actually met Will, you know, he's also kind of goofy which is not always the, the thing people are looking for in their judge, right? The goofy guy is not really what they're looking for. One time I remember a person questioning Will, and Will says, I'm not answering any more questions without my lawyer present. And, and the, the guy says, you are the lawyer. And he said, yeah, I know. Where's my present? <laughs> a lawyer present. Come on, that's great. Oh, the internet is so good. Um, Sherry Ware is not here today. She would have loved that one for sure. She would have been the loudest. She loves those puns. No, he never said that. He wasn't that quick. Um, Anyway, (laughs) Will was definitely not a shoe-in for judge in Jefferson County General Sessions Court, but he believed God had called him to run, and so he did. So he began his campaign. I helped him go door-to-door, put up signs, and all the stuff you do when you run for judge. We gave it to the Lord. We said, we're going we're gonna to do this clean. We're going to do this right. We're going to honor God. We're not going to get involved in all the kind of backbiting and stuff that goes on and those types of things. We actually left our office and started practicing law out of the unfinished cold basement of his house um, so, that we could, so that he could focus on this and we could focus on this. We had people making calls, telling their neighbors, going to the events, all that stuff that you do. You work hard, right? He ran hard for months and months. And on the night before the election, we were going up and we were putting signs next to the polling places. Here, you know, you get the letter in the mail and you fill it out. But there, you still go to a school. Some of you remember those days when you go to school to vote. That's how they still do it there. And so we're going to all these different schools and polling places and putting up signs, taking the signs from other places and putting them near the polling place so people could see that. 
And uh, we went to a place, I think it was the last school that we went to that day, and we were putting up signs. It was a place called Rush Strong School. Rush Strong. And as we were doing that, we ran into a guy across the street from the school, and Will, as a good candidate, went up, you know, do his little schmoozy thing, you know, hey, how are you doing? You know, that whole thing that he does, um, you know, the thing that I'm so good at. Anyway, he went and did that. And uh, it was really interesting because this guy did not help Will's confidence at all. He basically said to Will that he, he basically said, look, you don't have a chance. He said, do you really think you can beat Rick? Rick is the guy who had the most experience by far and who had been the, you know, the front runner. Everybody who thought from the beginning this was the guy who was going to win. But even without Rick, of course, everyone had more experience than Will. And this guy basically scoffed at Will at the idea that he could possibly win this election. And when you've worked so hard and you've run so hard and so many other people have done it, but mostly him, and you put the blood and the sweat and the tears and the passion into something, and then you have somebody basically laugh at you the night before the election. It doesn't make you feel great, but the Lord gave Will the strength to push forward, not to fall apart. Will knew he was supposed to run. He knew it might not be the best strategy in human terms, and and it wasn't. But the vision that the Lord gave Will was bigger than the strategy of people. And he knew that, and he trusted the Lord. He didn't know whether he was going to be the judge or not. He just knew he was supposed to run. That was up to God what was going to happen. So the next day, we spent the day, we're, you know, sitting by these polling places and, and wearing the vote Will Roach t-shirts and doing whatever and, and, you know, going through the thing. We're hoping, right? We're hoping for Will, but we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. And, and that night, uh, the, the, the returns start coming through. And they start coming through, and as each polling place comes through, it's, 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 it's closer, it's closer. It's really, really close. It's right down to the wire. Anyway, let's move on to another thing I wanted to talk about. No. Okay. <laughs> terrible, terrible. The votes came in, and Will won by 27 or 28 votes out of the whole county. 27 or 28 votes. Here's the thing that's really interesting besides the fact that the Lord put Will in that position for, for the Lord's glory. And that he had dedicated it, you know, he was going to do the job for the Lord. This guy's a a brother in Christ who loves the Lord. But here's what's really interesting is that all these polling places all over the county were really close. Most of them were really close. But there was one polling place that made the difference in this election. Okay, there was one polling place where Will had won by a mile. And the place where he had won by the mile, that polling place, was Rush Strong School across the street from the guy who had told Will that he had no chance at all of ever winning. That was, the, that was the spot where Will won by a mile. Had he not had what happened at that polling place happen, he wouldn't have won the election, not even close. And so I have no doubt that the Lord orchestrated this victory for Will because he wanted to use Will in this position, and that God made it happen so that the place where the strongest opposition was, where the strongest opposition was voiced, it was the place where the biggest victory was won. People can scoff at the vision that the Lord gives us, but God is powerful beyond what you can imagine. If we put our hearts and our minds in his care and do what he has called us to do, he brings the results. He brings the results. Sometimes the greatest victories can come where the greatest opposition lives. And that's important for us, particularly as believers. If you do not believe in the power of God to use your weaknesses, 
to show his strength, you're in for a lot of surprises in your walk with Jesus because that's what he does. A relatively inexperienced, somewhat goofy attorney gets a victory against much more experienced folks across an entire county. Nobody thought he could do it first or, or you know, very few. Certainly not that one guy. <laughs> a lawyer who has all kinds of weaknesses and failures. The Lord uses and lifts up and builds up and eventually brings across the country to pastor a church with all of you and is blessed by that. God can use us. He can use us in spite of our weaknesses. He can use us in the places where opposition is strong to do what he wants to do because our God is great and awesome, right? He's great and awesome. And God has given us a mission. Yeah, you can clap for God anytime you want. God has given us a mission and a vision here at Acts Church. And Lord willing, we're going to get to see him do his work powerfully through us. You live in an area, pay attention, you live in an area of big opposition to the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Many people that live near you and around you are against Jesus. Many more just don't care. They're apathetic. Many would probably scoff at the idea of this group of people sitting here doing anything major for the Lord, making anything happen that was big in this area, in this region, in this country, in this world. We're just a bunch of regular people as they look at us. But actually, we're incredibly powerful people in the power of the Holy Spirit who God has put here for this time, for this place, to do what he's called us to do. Many of these folks who would give you your biggest opposition may be soon seeing the biggest victories. People probably do scoff at the idea that God could have victory that starts here in this area, in the Portland area. This is not exactly the Bible Belt, right? This is, and I worked all these out for you, ready? The skeptic sash, the agnostic apron, the unbeliever underwear, the doubter drawers, the heathen halter top, the heretic hoodie. All right. That took me some time. I actually spent time doing that. So this is a place where the Christian faith is mocked and scoffed at and derided, just like this guy did with Will when he was running for judge. And yet this is a place where God has placed you and me, us. He's placed us here to have victory in Jesus for his glory. And the more opposition and the weaker we are, the bigger the victory is for God, right? Listen to this, Romans 8, 28 through 39. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not despair his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen 
who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Listen, listen, we are already more than conquerors. We are already more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loved us, who loves us, who will love us forever and ever and ever. That's what we have. God is going to do great things, God has done great things. God is doing great things. And he's going to do them through you and me. He's going to do them through us. We have spent years apart for some of us as different churches and now as one church, as Acts Church, serving God. And he's brought us together for such a time as this. There is a reason why everything is happening that's happening. And it's orchestrated not by us, but by God. It's his plan. It's his plan. I want to take a a few minutes, and we're going to watch a video about who we are as a church, and then we'll kind of come back to it. So go ahead and play that video. When I think of life groups, what comes to mind is... Um, a great, uh, fun fellowship, um, iron sharpening iron, uh, people holding each other accountable in a very tender and loving way. One of the things that, that makes our life group so precious um, is that when we occasionally don't meet, people really miss it. Uh, we get back together, it's like uh, we haven't been together for months, but it's just been, we've just missed one week. So to me, that's, that's really what defines a really good life group, that we just love being around each other. Women's Ministries at Axe Church, you know, it's worthwhile to me because being with women is worthwhile. And I think it's so important to have a strong women's ministry that can come together, um, not only to celebrate, but also to guide each other to the word um, and to walk with each other through seasons of life. I think the best thing that I've personally taken away from women's ministries, just feeling like I have fellow women that I can turn to, um, that I can talk to, that go beyond just surface level, but become friends and family. Um, And some of the hardest times in my life, I've had um, mentors within women's ministry that have helped me through the healing process and guide me through God's word and his promises. And that's just invaluable to me. The Acts Church Men's Ministry is a chance, an opportunity for us to get together as men, uh, share burdens, uh, share things that's on our heart, um, and also just uh, a time to goof around. Within the men's ministry, you can always find someone else who is either going through something that you're going through right now, or has gone through that which you're going through right now, and give you an opportunity to share that, uh, get the support you need in a godly way. 
Axe Kids, we really aim to provide a safe and nurturing environment um, where kids can have fun and um, learn about Jesus and his love in a way that they can relate to and understand. One thing I hope kids gain by participating in Axe Kids is really learning a foundational knowledge of Christ and his life and his love. When I see kids engaged in worship and the word, that's really what makes Axe Kids worth it for me. When I walk into a classroom um, and they know all the words to the songs and they're dancing, when they um, learn that memory verse by heart and are um, reciting it, those are the things that just like fill my heart and give me so much joy. But Axe Church, or our youth group, we are about relationships and more time to learn about God and be with God. My favorite thing about serving there at Axe Youth Group um, is watching the kids grow and mature with Christ. Axe Youth is a place to have fun, a place to learn more about Jesus, but ultimately it's about a community where we work together to see students growing into godly men and women of Christ. Having a group of people your own age, well, your age bracket, is fairly important, I think. It's a wonderful group of people, way to get to know people, um, a wonderful f fellowship. Uh, we all seem to have sort of, um, not the same problems, but we fall into the same categories. We enjoy each other. The favorite part is just being with other people and, and having fun and doing things. Hi, I'm Steve Bragg. I'm a missionary in the Philippines. Uh, currently on furlough here in the States. And Axe Church has been a very vital part of the ministry that we have there. Um, the eldership, the guidance and the wisdom from the eldership um, to me and, and the other pastors there, all of the prayers that Axe Church provides and the support, the logistics, uh, whenever we need anything, they they, they are a great supply of, of, of the ministry there. Basically what we do there is, is we start new churches in the remote, isolated areas of the Philippines. And so uh, poverty is extreme, hopelessness is extreme. And when we go in there and start loving on them, uh, like Jesus wants them to be loved on, and then give them the gospel, uh, which, which solves their relationship with their Creator and their God, and God begins to answer their prayers. It's just a, 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 such a blessing to see hope. The ministry in Honduras is all about relationships. We were fortunate enough to be able to plant a church in the city of Tolonga called Axe Church. We work closely with Pastor Ezekiel and Pastor Julio to minister to the people of Honduras. We sponsor a boys and girls club in Talonga where children are able to come to the church and learn about the gospel. Going to Honduras is one of the highlights of my year. I really enjoy all the relationships that I've been able to build with the people down there. It's a lot of fun going into the schools and working with the kids. We tell Bible stories, we sing songs, we do crafts. During our last trip, we went and held a conference at Proyecto Victoria. David taught on gender equality, which is something that um, needed to be taught there. And I'll never forget, after the conference was over, how many women lined up to hug us and to thank us for being willing to speak about topics that were controversial there, but that were so important. 
I think the importance of corporate worship in my own life is just, uh, you know, I can worship God with, with my life and I can sing even during the week or whatever, but there's something about coming together um, with other believers to worship God together. You know, Sunday mornings are such a cool time and a cool place to be able to do that. I don't know, there's just something about meeting with other believers and giving God glory and like focusing on Him above all else. Everybody has a part in the worship ministry at Acts Church. Just in joining us in passionate worship to God on Sundays, um, that is encouraging to us as leaders, it's encouraging to those around you, and it's giving God the glory that He deserves. And it's just, it's humbling um, because uh, I don't know, the act of worship is such a, it's such a personal thing, but to be able to share that with others too um, and see other people respond to God because of a personal act of worship is pretty amazing. Axe Church puts out stuff like podcasts and videos, and the reason we do that is, A, we want to serve our people who maybe couldn't make it to a, a sermon or who out of town or who are not feeling well and they can connect with us through video or they can listen to the podcast weekly but it also basically enlarges our footprint in ministry and gives us opportunities we have people from all over the world and all over the country who have listened to our podcast who have listened to our sermons who have watched our sermon videos and so it's just an opportunity for us to bring the gospel to a wider circle and so we've just found it to be a, a really important way for us to share what we're doing at Acts Church and what Christ is doing in the world with as many people as possible. There's so many opportunities to serve at Acts Church on Sunday morning. And uh, I, I, just see, I just saw the face of the Lord and he just told me what to do. And uh, he said, well, Julie and Patrick needs help. He said, just get your butt up an extra hour early and get out to the church. <laughs> and I did. And so uh, I made it a priority to help out in that area. Well, the first thing we have to do, we have to um, unload the chairs. And um, I helped Patrick with that, who's just awesome. And so we, we just work together. And, uh, and after that, you know, everything's done. We, you know, welcome the people in and no one's complaining about the seating. I just love the people. I have a wonderful pastor uh, just who just terribly in love with the Lord. And uh, it just makes it so easy to come in and worship and serve and listen to the Lord and see what he has for you to do. And, uh, and the fellowship is just, it's just great. I really enjoy the fellowship there. church staff is here to run the day-to-day -day operations in the life of the church and we also are here to meet the needs of those in our community. The eldership at Acts Church is here to serve, to administer, to oversee, and to shepherd the people of God in our congregation. We do this in love for our people because as the Lord himself has commanded us, we are here to be servants of all. We're not here to be served, we're here to serve. We, our ex-church, all of us together, are serving the Lord to carry out His work. We are Axe Church. We are Axe Church. We are Axe Church. We are Axe Church. We are Axe Church in the Philippines. We are Axe Church. We are Axe 
Church. We are Axe Church. We are Axe Church. We are Axe Church. We are Axe Church. We have an amazing church, and, and watching that, you know, and watching the people and knowing what God has done and knowing what, what he's brought people through and so on is, is an amazing thing. Um, but we, we have a mission, okay? A very clear mission. is a mission that was given by Jesus Christ, and it's in Matthew 28. It says this, go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. That is it. That's our mission. It's been the mission of the church for 2,000 years. It's never changed. It's always been the same. To see people follow Jesus, to see people get baptized, to become his disciples, to learn, to follow him, to do the things he's commanded. That's what we're hopefully becoming, and that's what we're supposed to be making in other people. We're supposed to be drawing people to be disciples for Jesus Christ. To see people get saved, transformed, cleaned baptized, taught, loved, and then multiplying others to do the same. That's it. That's our mission. We want that to be happening here, right where we are, right in this neighborhood. We want it to be happening in the Portland area. We want it to be happening in the Northwest, North America, and all over the world. And we want to be a part of all of that. We want to be a part of all of those things. It's through the strength and the power of God that we will see this mission fulfilled. But you have to believe that God can use you. You have to believe that. That through the strength of the Holy Spirit, we can see these things happen from Acts Church. See, people are walking away from Christ Church all over the place. All over the place. They're walking away. Why, why are people leaving Christ Church? Let me tell you, there are probably lots of reasons. You could probably find uh, a sociologist or some survey somewhere or something where they'll give you these reasons why they think it might be happening. But let me just tell you why it's happening. Lukewarm Christianity. That's it, okay? The kind of Christianity that just gets by. Now, as we kind of walk into this next part of this message, I, I want us to not, don't be thinking about other people that might fit into these categories, this is time for us to be thinking about our own hearts. Thinking about other people isn't going to work here. We've got to think about ourselves. Do we fit into this mold? Have we become lukewarm? Because we're responsible for us. We're responsible for Acts Church. God's given it to us. We're responsible for it. We're responsible for ourselves. We're responsible not to be lukewarm. Listen to what the Lord says to the lukewarm church at Laodicea. And I'm going to grab that. He says, I know your works that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. It's so easy to believe that we are we're hot, we're on fire for the Lord. Because after all, we come to church on Sundays. Here's the deal. You know what? The church at Laodicea came to church on Sundays too, or they never would have heard the letter. They were coming to church on Sundays too. And I know most people don't go to church, and that makes you doing something that most people don't do. And that's great. Hey, coming to church is great. But that's not what it's about. It's not enough. The question is not whether we're coming to church. The question is where is our fire? 
Where is our fire? Are we hot? You know what I mean. I'm not. Uh, there are a great many times in my life where I have, to my shame, I've done the minimum to get by. I did what I had to do, checked the boxes, and got the thing done, whatever it might have been. But there was no passion. There was no courage. There was no blood, sweat, and tears in my attitude or my work. And I thank God that through Jesus Christ, he paid the price for me, and he's forgiven me for having such a poor work ethic so many times in my life. But when your child or your grandchild comes home from school or from the sporting event or whatever, and you say, how did it go? And they say, you know what? I did the minimum to get by. Did absolutely just what I had to do. Are you beaming and proud of them? Probably not, right? You're disappointed because success in life takes work. It takes passion. It takes effort. And no one wants anything less for their children or for their grandchildren than to have that kind of work ethic and passion and fire. But where do they learn that passion? Where do they learn that fire for what is important? They learn it from you and me, right? We have to decide if we're going to be comfortable or courageous because we're not going to be both. We're going to be comfortable or courageous. The Laodiceans were comfortable. They were rich like us. And some of you are thinking to yourself right now, I'm not rich. Well, listen to this. I got this off the internet, so I know it has to be true. <laughs> if you have food in your fridge, clothes on your back, a roof over your head, and a place to sleep, you are richer than 75% of the world. If you have money in the bank, your wallet, and some spare change, you are among the top 8% of the world's wealthy. If you woke up this morning with more health than illness, you are more blessed than the million people who will not, will not survive the week. If you have never experienced the danger of battle, the agony of imprisonment, or torture, or the horrible pangs of starvation, you are luckier than 500 million people alive and suffering. If you can read, you are more fortunate than 3 billion people on this planet who don't have that opportunity or ability. Most of us are rich by any standard. Any standard other than some absurd comparison to the ultra-wealthy around us. You're rich, okay? Here's the thing. And if, you, if, you don't, if you're still struggling with that, please join us in Honduras or, or the Philippines, and you will get some perspective very quickly about what it looks like to be rich and what it looks like to be poor. The problem with the Laodiceans and the people in the Western world today is that wealth is comfortable, it is comfortable. And when we have experienced comfort, we want to keep it. I do. I'm sure you do too. We want to be comfortable. But following Christ is courageous. It's courageous. It requires courage and risk and passion and work and a mission and a vision to fulfill that mission. That's what it requires. And Christ will use as many of us or as few of us who will follow him fully with the kind of courage that it's going to take to see him do the work that he's going to do. You can be part of that or you can not be part of that, but you're not going to be part of it being comfortable. We want to raise children and grandchildren and see them succeed. We want them to love the Lord, to love their spouse, love their children, to love their job, just to be happy and great. We want them to do great things for the world and for the Lord. 
But we cannot ourselves trade courage for comfort and expect that our children and our grandchildren are going to be innovative, creative, loving, effective leaders in the world. Or that they're going to love Jesus Christ when our passion for him is not running very high. There are about 75 million people in the United States who are classified as millennials. 75 million. And do you know what they're looking for? What they keep saying to us over and over? If you read, if you look into it, if you study what this group is looking for, they're looking for passion and fire and hope and meaning. They're looking for passion and fire and hope and meeting. And we are Jesus Christ's church. We should be drawing them to the love of Jesus like moths to a flame. This is where the passion is. This is where the fire should be. This is where we have an answer about meaning. And yet, that's not what's happening. In fact, the opposite is happening. These who are looking for passion and fire and hope and meaning are not coming into the church, they're walking away from it. And that has to say something. Maybe they're not finding in Christ's church what they're looking for. Maybe we have not been courageous. It's not just millennials. People from every age group leave the church. People, the the number of nuns, the people who don't say they have any kind of religion is growing. We know that. It's hugely grown just in my lifetime. And I'll be turning, well, I turned 30 about 10 years ago. So, (laughs) hugely grown. So why is that? Because I can tell you this, Christ's church, what's at the heart of Christ's church is courageous, is passionate, always has been. Which means that if we look at what's happening today in the church, and I'm just talking about the Western church, if we look at what's happening today, we have to ask ourselves, what's wrong here? Maybe what we're looking at isn't Christ's church. Certainly not as it's supposed to be because at the heart of Christ's church from the very beginning were people who were willing to die for it. Jesus loved these people so much and yet knew that so many of them would suffer a martyr's death and allowed that to happen even though he loved them so much because he knew what was waiting for them eternally. He knew what was the most important. Not this broken world. You're fleeting. You're going to die, every one of you, unless the Lord comes first. All of us, we're breaking down. Okay? If you don't believe me, as you get older, just keep trying to dunk a basketball or walk faster than, you know, a little bit. You'll see that your body is a body of death. It's going away. This is a short time. The older you get, the more you realize how short it all is. And so Jesus is saying, listen, you're not just living for now. You're living for the future, for eternity. You should have a passion about that. That's where meaning is. You should be hot on fire. Not lukewarm. Not lukewarm. I think that people who are leaving the church could deal with the fact that Christians aren't perfect. You know, you hear a lot about Christians are hypocrites and whatever, but I think they could deal with the fact that Christians aren't perfect. I I think they could deal with the fact that churches aren't perfect, but everyone sees through a lack of courage and commitment. Everybody sees through that. You want people to take you seriously? They got to see that it's serious. And people have shown us with their feet They've walked away. 
and there are empty seats in churches all over this country this morning because people have not seen the passion that should be there in Christ's church. But that doesn't have to be us. That doesn't have to be Acts Church. In fact, I'll tell you right now, that's not Acts Church. This isn't, I'm not telling you that you have no passion and that you have no courage. I'm saying that's where the church is, which means that all the more we have to stand up and shine. All the more we have to be courageous. All the more we have to preach the word of God unashamedly because it's got the power to change lives. We have to believe that and not be afraid of it and not walk away from it. And who cares who scoffs? Who cares about the guy across the street from Rush Round School saying, you could never do it. Jesus isn't real. Why do you even believe that stuff? You're so dumb. Whatever they say. No, no. The word of God has been for 2,000 years in the Christian faith a powerful, powerful agent for change and transformation. And it has never stopped and it will never stop. And we know that it can be powerful here where some of the greatest opposition is for us to see some of the greatest victory. We can see God work on us, in us. Give us the courage and the passion to become full followers of Jesus Christ. We have to be willing to risk. We have to be willing to have faith, to be vibrant, to study passionately, to work passionately, to worship passionately, to serve passionately, to give passionately, to love passionately. Passionately. If you want to see people lining up to be disciples of Christ, if you want to see people lining up to go down in the water and be baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, live with courage and passion. They will be drawn to it. You can't be lukewarm. We can't be lukewarm. We cannot choose comfort over courage. We have to show our family and our friends and our neighbors and our city and our region and the world what it looks like to follow Jesus Christ with passion. We have to follow Jesus with abandon. Nothing can be left behind. Look, we want to change the world. This is not a club. I mean, we are going to have cookies later, but that's... I like cookies. This is not a club. This is not something that we come to so we can all say hi to each other. We do that. This is real and eternal and significant. This is about the God of the universe. This is about Jesus Christ who died, who gave himself up on a cross for you. That was real, and this is real now. And his resurrection was real, and the power of his kingdom is real. And so we need to pretend like it's not, not pretend like it's not real. Not live like it's not real. Or on Sundays it's real for us, but on other days it's not. If God is for us, who can be against us? We sing it today. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? No one. So which train are we going to be on? What do you fear? What do you fear about being courageous? Scripture tells us to cast all our cares on him, for he cares for us. And for some of us, me included, we need to do that. We need to be casting those cares on him. We need to be getting rid of the fear. You can never be comfortable and courageous at the same time, though, right? So that means you've got to face some of that. Listen to what the psalmist writes. I rise before the dawning of the morning and cry for help. I hope in your word. My eyes are awake through the night watches that I may meditate on your word. Listen to the passion of the psalmist. God, for the psalmist, is not someone that he goes to visit on Sunday mornings. Right? 
This is every day. God is it. God is everything to the psalmist. He's crying out in the morning, God, I need you. I cannot go through this day without you. I'm passionate about loving you and serving you and doing what you've called me to do. I believe that life is amazing and vibrant and powerful. And it can be all those things through you. My hope is in your word. I'm going to stay up late tonight so I can just meditate on your word. I got to be honest. It's usually Netflix. Right? I can't, I, I'll be honest. I, it's not very often that it's like 10 o'clock and I'm thinking, man, I'm going to just meditate on the word of God. But I should. I should. I should be asking God to ignite that kind of passion within me, within you. Look, we can have passion. It comes from the Holy Spirit. We can have strength. It comes from the Holy Spirit. We can have courage. It comes from the Holy Spirit. And we can have the only kind of comfort that matters. That's the joy of knowing that we are in Christ, that we are saved. That's comfort, eternal comfort. The kind that says, I know in whom I believed, and I'm persuaded that he's able to take that which I've committed unto him against that day, right? To say, I know where I'm going to be forever. That's a comfort. The other stuff that we have to go through, the other stuff that we have to be courageous about, that kind of comfort, the kind of comfort that says, I'm going to sit around and not do anything. Let somebody else handle it. Let somebody else pay for it. That kind of comfort is not the kind of comfort that God is going to use to do mighty things. Listen, Christ tells us to count the cost. So, count the cost. You ready for it? Everything. Everything. That's the cost. So give everything to the one who gave you everything. And you will receive the things that matter in life. Go talk to somebody who's got a lot of money, power, or prestige, or influence. After they've had that for a little while and ask them, hey, did it work? Did that thing did having the money work? Did having the power? All the things that you thought were going to make it good, did they do it? And they'll say, no. If they're in a good place, it's not because of those things. They'll tell you it's not about that. It's not about that. You know what we care about? Joy, hope, peace, faith, love. Those are things that come through knowing Jesus Christ and being empowered by the Holy Spirit. They don't come from money. They don't come from comfort. You can be really comfortable for a long time, and eventually you just realize that you're not doing anything. You ain't going anywhere. The things that matter are things that come to us from the Lord. This is you're, you're children of the King, the King of Kings. This is no joke. We don't just say these things. This is not just purely metaphorical. You are God's children. Do you understand what that means? Who you are? Stand tall. Understand who you are. Have some passion about that. This is about Jesus. This is about our vision of reaching people, people who need Jesus. They need to know Jesus. Our vision is about changing a generation, young and old. Everyone on this planet right now, that's our mission. We want to change this generation of people that live on the face of the earth because people are being lied to. It's like the time of Isaiah, and Isaiah writes this, justice is turned back. And righteousness stands afar off, for truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter, so truth fails. 
Now, who will change that? Jesus Christ. Who will change that? Jesus Christ through his church, through us. Truth has stumbled in the street. And who is going to change that? Jesus Christ through his church. That's it. I'm here to encourage you. I'm here to exhort you. The elders and the leaders of this church are here to help you grow into the people that God has created you to be with a powerful, powerful destiny, not of wealth and health and riches. All that's nonsense. If that happens, great. Whatever. It's not what's going to make you happy. It's not what's going to give you joy. You know what's going to give you joy is beating the will of God and seeing the fruit of hard, passionate work for the kingdom of God. That's what's going to give you joy. The only thing that's going to give you, when you're sitting on that swing, 85, 95 years old, whatever you are, you're looking back. can't really do much anymore. Or you can't do what you could do. You can still do a ton, let me tell you. There's some people. Ed Bowers, 94 years old, he's back here teaching every week. You can still be working for the Lord. But as you're sitting on that porch, let's go back to the porch thing. You're sitting on that porch and you're thinking back. Do you think you're going to be, oh, remember when I made all that money? Remember when I had all that influence? Or you think that maybe it might look something like, remember that person in that relationship? Remember that person? Remember, remember when we got the blessing, the opportunity to see that person come to the Lord? Remember when we invited that person to church and they came to the Lord and they ended up becoming a church planner and they now have a church of however many people that are getting saved and baptized every week? Remember this ripple and that ripple and this ripple that went out because we decided to have passion and courage and to give it all to Jesus? Remember all those things? That's what you're going to be thinking about. Or not. Depends on what you choose to do. Doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter how young you are. Jesus has said you can have an impact. Jesus has said that you're special, that you're incredible, that he's made you for something, and that he'll work through you if you'll allow him to. Jesus died for you and rose again. That's big. The Holy Spirit will empower you to change the world through his strength. I'm a Christ follower. You, I hope, are a Christ follower. First and always a Christ follower. Fully devoted to Christ Now, what does that look like? It's going to look like Acts Church. It's my commitment, and I want it to be your commitment, that being a full Christ follower is going to look like, if you say, what does it look like to be a a full Christ follower? Anywhere around, they could say, if you really want to see, go to Acts Church. Go follow the people from Acts Church around and see what it looks like to be a fully devoted Christ follower. See the change, see the redemption, see the transformation, see what God's doing in their life, see how excited they are, see how much they love God, see how much they love each other. You think there's no God? Then how could this group of people love each other so much? That's what we want to see. That is our vision. We want to see that happen. Now, I could talk about ministries and buildings and stuff like that. I could talk about that for hours. We, we want to build a building. We're working on it. We want to build a base of operations, not just for us to all sit in on a Sunday morning, but to do powerful ministry that affects this area, this region, the Northwest, the, the country, and the world. We want to see all that happen from what we build because we have a huge vision about it. We're bringing in an outreach director, a, a person who's going to come in here and connect us more and more to the community so that we can start facing outwards with the gospel of Jesus Christ in a more effective way. 
We're going to continue with life groups. They're going to be powerful. You should be in one. If you're not in one, there's a courage and passion problem. Because this is part of what it looks like to grow in the Lord. We're going to keep going with men's ministry, women's ministry, with the Oasis group, the seniors, with the youth group, with young adults. We're not going to stop. We're not going to stop. And those of you who are, who are ready for the ride and understand what it costs, you're going to see some amazing things happen. Because it was for such a time as this that you were brought here, that you're sitting in this room or listening online or wherever you are. This is for you. These are exciting things, but God wants to ignite our courage and our passion first. Then he'll take us through the rest of all those things the acts of kindness ministry, and the stuff that they're planning right now. These ladies have some amazing things planned for Acts Church over the next months to help and serve others. But we've got to have a passion for it. We've got to do it courageously, fearlessly. Because there's perfect love casts out all fear, and we are in perfect love with Jesus Christ. It does no good to have all the programs in the world if we're not showing the passion and courage of full Christ followers. That Jesus will use to draw people to himself. Courage, not comfort. Courage, not comfort. I don't know how many of you have ever been drawn into something, whether it was becoming a fan of a sports team, whether it was you know, uh, finding a passion for a hobby, whatever it was. But I don't know it, who brought you into those things. But normally for me, what brings me into those things, what gets me interested in things is somebody else who's super passionate about it. It's infectious, right? It's infectious. I became a big Washington Huskies fan because I had a buddy who was a big Washington Huskies fan. I started to like, you know, whatever. Stamp collecting, I don't do that. But if, it, if I did, it would be because someone was all about stamps, right? Into it. That's how you have to be about Jesus Christ if you want people to think he's interesting. Oh, Jesus Christ, you follow Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, he's all right. So what do you do? Yeah. I go to church sometimes. Oh, cool, cool. What's that like? Oh, they sing songs. Oh, yeah, what's that like? Well, I just kind of go like this. You sound pretty excited about this guy, Jesus. That is interesting. Let, let me sign up for that. No. That's not us. That's not who we're going to be. That's not who we are. That's not who we're ever going to become. But we've got to be vigilant. We've got to be vigilant about not sinking into lukewarmness. Right? You want to know what it looks like to be a full follower of Jesus Christ? It looks like committing to these people that you're standing next to or sitting next to. That, you'll be, that you will stand beside them with the full armor of God in the shield wall of Jesus Christ's church. That, you're, that you are, they can depend on you. That you're committed to them. It looks like being here and bringing your family and your friends and your coworkers and your neighbors to, to meet Jesus Christ who are so drawn to it because of how passionate and excited you are about it. Not weird. Not weird, but passionate, okay? There is a line. You've all seen it. Looks like joining a life group today. Today, you're going to get that opportunity today and committing to serve alongside them as this group of people who's committed to each other, who's holding each other accountable, who's being open and honest, transparent with one another, who's growing in Scripture and in the Word. It looks like studying God's Word yourself and letting it change you and transform you. It looks like being willing 
to do what needs to be done to reach those who are lost. And if that means change, if that means sometimes music that we don't like or that's too loud, if that means having to be in a school longer than we want to be, if that means any number of things, because that's how we get to the people who are lost, how we go after those sheep who have strayed away, being willing to do that and being willing to do it with a great attitude of passion for Jesus Christ. Our vision is huge. You all should be looking around this room and seeing, saying, who can I pour my life into? Who can I help become more through Jesus Christ? Because we have a big vision to fulfill. I need church planners to come out of this church. I need missionaries to come out of this church. I need people who are going to be the next elders and deacons who are going to be leading groups and taking people to Honduras and to the Philippines and to wherever else we end up going. China, India, Africa, I don't know. But my vision is not limited by anything, which means that we've got to pour into each other to create the kind of people that we need to become the leaders who are going to go out and see people know Jesus Christ. That's what we have to be. That's who we're going to be at Acts Church. Like my law partner, Will, standing outside Rush Strong School, people are going to tell you that that's impossible, that it's stupid, that you have a bad strategy, that a bunch of regular old people and Camus in Vancouver can't do anything like that. And I say, you're absolutely right, but God can. <laughs> yeah, the God that I serve can. Jesus said what is impossible with man is possible with God. There's a lot going on at Acts Church that you can be a part of. But the thing that will truly drive Acts Church, this church forward, us forward, to be used powerfully and amazingly and miraculously is allowing the Holy Spirit to make you courageous and passionate. If you have that, all the strategy, the passion is going to beat out strategy all day long. Vision, passion, and courage beat out strategy all day long. The strategy will work because God will bring that to us. But the passion has to be there to make anything work. Now, you got to ask yourself, what does that look like? What is God saying to you in your life right now? What is he asking you to commit to him? What is he calling you to do? What is he calling you to commit to, to put in his hands? Is it fear? Is it your time? Is it your wallet? Ooh. Get serious. What is the next step in your courageous, passionate journey as a full Christ follower look like? We're going to take a minute. I know I'm close to time, but we're going to take a minute. And I just want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I just want you to, to ask yourself this question. Or ask the Lord this question. Lord, what is it that you're calling me to do? What does my next step look like? What does it look like to move forward? What does it look like to commit to you fully? What am I holding back? Let him speak to your heart. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for everything you've done in our lives this week. Lord, we pray for John Ware, our elder, who's still up in Seattle, who had um, to go to the hospital last night with a, with a blood issue and so on, Lord, but you're, you've been healing him and working through him, and we just pray you'd be with him and Sherry. I pray you'd be with the others that are sick.
Debbie Lentz and the others that, that, have, that have struggled here um, lately with their health. I pray for those that are home, couldn't be here today. I pray that this message would reverberate not just this morning, but throughout the body of our church, who, some of whom will have to hear it later. I pray that it would inspire people to serve you, Lord, because you're so good and amazing and awesome. And Lord, I just pray that the people here would get a chance to meet one another and to start to truly meld together as we've transitioned into one church, your church, Christ's church, here at Acts Church. And I pray that we would all be on the same team and we would be behind what you're doing, that the leaders of this church would follow you always, never deviating from where you're going, that we'd never lose our passion, we'd never be lukewarm, that you'd never, oh God, to think that you'd want to spit us out of your mouth because we're not hot or cold. Lord, let us be on fire for you. Let us live our lives like you're real, like eternity's real, and like it's the most important thing in our lives ever. Lord, I can't wait to see what you're going to do. In your name, amen. Well, thanks for listening to that Acts Church sermon. We hope you got a lot out of it. If you did, we'd love it if you would comment or uh, give us a review or give the track a like. Uh, It really means a lot to us to hear back from people who have um, heard these sermons and have been impacted by it. So share your story with us. Share what is happening in your life um, that this is speaking into. And remember, you can subscribe to our iTunes podcast or through SoundCloud so that you can get all of our releases as soon as they come out. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back with more next week.